Hello and welcome to episode 254 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley, as always joined by Bryson. We don't have Jacob here with us today, but we've got another about week and a half under our belts of spring training. We're ready to talk about everything that's going on with the Blue Jays, a little bit of the World Baseball Classic as well. Bryson, how are you? Doing great, Mark. I think we're, I want to say we're around the halfway mark. We might even be past that now. We only got a couple more weeks to go. Things are looking good as spring progresses. And of course, the WBC is underway. There's some panic happening with what we saw on Sunday night. But uh, we're going to be here today talking about all that stuff. So it should be a fun one. And of course, Monday night didn't go much better with Team Canada's performance against the U.S. getting mercyed. And then, of course, being down, what was it, 9-0 after the first inning. Uh, and you got to just feel for, it was Mitch, Mitch something, Mitch Brass, was that his name? The, That's the what starter. it was, Texas Rangers organization. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's an impossible job. 19 years old, coming out, trying to pitch against, I mean, some people are saying it's the best lineup ever assembled, but... I, I mean, that's not unfair to say like Mike Trout, you see Paul Goldschmidt in this lineup, and then you got, uh, I, I think Trey Turner was hitting eighth in this lineup. And it's like, how on earth a 19-year-old from single A is going to be expected to go out and do well against that lineup? He pitched his best. He deserves all the accolades in the world for getting there and, you know, just having the courage to go out and pitch against these guys. Um, and you feel for him after that performance, but hopefully it can go better for Canada over the next few days, and hopefully they don't get mercyed again. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about spring trading to start off with. And I think the biggest piece of news that we have had since we last spoke, of course, we heard about the Vladi injury last time. We were talking about him withdrawing from the WPC. That's been a saga that we've been following for about a week and a half now. And he looks like he's coming back from his injury. He's rehabbing well. Um, and now there's the potential that he will be leaving Blue Jays spring training to rejoin, or I guess join for the first time, the WBC um, after he is all set and ready and healthy to go. And last time, Bryson, you had strong opinions about the idea of Vladdy going to the WBC in the first place. I'm curious what you make of the idea of him going there again now that he's healthy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty strong. It was definitely the strongest out of us three. But look, I think I don't think my opinions changed. And I mean, I I don't think the 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 Jays are anywhere close to supporting this either. I just, of course, now even before that injury happened, ever I pretty much made my opinion on that very clear. And now that there's the possibility of Vladdy wanting to go join, of course, the Dominican Republic if they go, and most likely it will be happening, advanced to round two. Um, I think the argument that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is making is that if he's good enough to return to spring training games, which seems to be something that is looking good for to happen, hopefully at some point uh, at the end of this week, then why, why withhold him from playing in the WBC? Now, of course, we've talked about, again, the difference between a Grapefruit League game and playing in the WBC, but that's the point that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is making, and I think the number one thing here is that at least we've at least that he or he is on track to becoming fully healthy. At least we are past that, um, I guess, worry that the base running things are behind us now because it sounds like the past couple of days it's been pain-free when he's been running, and there hasn't been any really complaints or hasn't been any setbacks, and it looks like we're transitioning out of that phase now where it looks like that's going to be something of the past now. So... Because that's all said and done, and it looks like every, everything, of course, knock on wood, is on track for him to hopefully come back to spring games uh, by the weekend or at some point next week, 
then there's going to be the conversation of that. I just I can't imagine the Blue Jays being anywhere close to supporting this. Probably even more against it to begin with of him going before the tournament started, before this uh, this knee injury even happened. So that's going to be something that is going to be interesting to see the fallout of that. I'm sure he's already kind of presented the idea to them and they are well aware of his intentions and what he wants to do. And I guess at the end of the day, no matter what the Jays do, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wants to go that badly. It's I can understand it. I just I it's tough for me to again envision this happening. But of course there's a serious chance that it does happen and if he's all said and done. I just think that the number one priority here is the good news is that the knee injury is behind him by the looks of it once again. And he's going to be good to get in some Grapefruit League games. Now, of course, the number one step before any of that decision is made is getting him back into those games. So regardless if we see him on the weekend, we see him next week. There's still a good couple weeks left of spring training. So by that time, it will be round two of the WBC. So I just want to see a couple games under him at least to see how he looks, see if he's healthy. I'm not, not sure if he's going to start right away at first base or DH a couple games and then get going on that. So it's all kind of an unknown timeline in terms of how they are going to put him back in the lineup. The only thing that we can assume is that it's going to be very cautious, which is expected, of course. So, I mean, we're all happy about it. I just, it's, it's, for me, it's tough to see the Jays uh, sign off on this. It's going to be something that is definitely going to get more, I guess, pick up steam, especially when he does return to spring training games at some point uh, in the near future. Yeah. As much as I disagreed with you last time and wanted to see Vladdy, go out and still be in the WBC. I think at this point it is hard to envision that happening. And I don't know, like, look, we're not privy to the conversations that are going on behind closed doors. And I don't know how much pressure a team can actually put on a player and how much that decision is really up to the player or if the team gets some sort of say in that. But I do think that, look, if the Blue Jays are, I I think the Blue Jays are going to be putting a lot of pressure on Vladdy to stay in camp at this point because um, I mean, that's what ultimately matters to the Blue Jays. And I think like, yes, some of these players value WBC games more than regular season games because look, it's really exciting. You're playing for your country. You're playing for something that matters, um, especially when some of these games early in the season cannot feel important. But ultimately for the Blue Jays, they need to put their own performance ahead of a random team in the WBC How the Dominican Republic performs is not important to them. Their number one priority is going to be getting Vladdy healthy and ready for the regular season. And so I have a hard time seeing them not put pressure on Vladdy to stay. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on him to stay in spring training. But again, it comes down to how much say they have in that decision. Like Vladdy can probably just say, no, I'm going to the WBC. I'm going to do what I want. I'll be back on whatever it is, March 27th or something is the final day. I guess if, Dominican Republic loses in the quarters or the semis he'd be back earlier but I I, yeah I don't I don't know I think at this point as much as I want to see him in the WBC and the WBC is very exciting to watch I think ultimately what he should be prioritizing at this point is the Blue Jays and like you can talk about how great of a marketing opportunity this is for baseball and individual players and how entertaining it is to watch and how you're playing for your country you can talk about all the great things about the WBC but when it comes down to it Vladdy has to prioritize being ready for the regular season that's where he's making his money that's ultimately what matters in the big picture of things or at least what matters to us the fans and so I think that's kind of where I sit right now as to what's going to happen Will the Blue Jays put enough pressure on him to make him stay? Will he just 
you know, say, screw you, Blue Jays, I'm going to play anyways. I don't know. I don't know what the end call is going to be. Um, either way, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I don't think I'd be mad at him if he decides to go to the WBC. Do I think it's unwise? Yeah, probably, but I'm not going to be upset with the decision either way. But it, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how this shakes out, and we'll be watching for it over the next couple of days to the next week. Um, I am curious in picking your brain on what you think the impact of his injury is going to be on his regular season performance. Because if this was a pitcher we're talking about, then absolutely 100% we're seeing an impact on regular season performance because we know you're working up to a pitch count, getting stretched out, all those sorts of things that impact a pitcher and their timeline. It's not as important for hitters. And so I think there's a potential that this doesn't impact Vladdy at all, right? Assuming he's healthy over the next week, he comes back to spring training. It might not have an impact at all. There's the alternative world where, you know, maybe he starts the season slow. He didn't get as many reps in spring training. I guess you can argue that side of things as well. I'm curious what you think the impact of this injury will be on his regular season performance. Will we see it impact him at all? Or is he just going to be same old Vladdy to start the year? As long as everything goes as planned and nothing is re-aggravated, I think he's going to be okay, especially when he does go back. And again, regardless of what happens with the WBC, you got to imagine he's going to get in, get into a couple of games at the earliest uh, for the Jays. So that's just that was my number one concern from the start because we've seen this um, of our years watching this team, and of course, regardless of the sport, you see these little nagging injuries, and once you get it it lingers on for potentially the entire season. A prime example of somebody who deals with lingering injuries every year is on this team is comes up none other than George Springer. And we've seen just the reduction in productivity, the limitations of playing the field sometimes. And those are all worries that I just have in the back of my head when it comes to this. So the smartest thing they did, of course, was take Vladimir Guerrero Jr. out of that game um, whenever he did sustain it on the base pass. And the fact that they've been slowly building him back up he's still been hitting the ball which is good he's been hitting it off a tee I'm sure he's very or very you know not too far away from getting back in a live BP which is also the next step he's running the bases without pain so again it feels like this is good and this is behind him it's just the worry for me of course and again if he goes over to the WBC and he's playing every day or whatever it is you don't want this being re-aggravated, and then it's going to linger, and then that's going to impact your regular season for all the reasons that you mentioned, Mark, and that's when you kind of get a little bit concerned. So it's just cautious is the right word to use in this, and it should be the, something that both, I'm sure obviously the Jays are uh, well aware of this, and, I'm, and hopefully Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well makes the, the right decision on this one and just realizes the long-term impacts that this could have if this does backfire on you. And this is huge because if you don't have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in your lineup, I mean, you go from a top-notch lineup in this division and, of course, in the American League, and all of a sudden you're missing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup for who knows how long. It's a much different lineup. It's a much less scarier team. And the team, frankly, isn't nowhere as good as it's supposed to be with him in the lineup. So those are all the worries that come to your head on this. And that's why it feels like the way that this has been handled, though, has been good. And we you know, we're, we're, we're behind the path of any sort of pain or pain in his knee, getting back into some games, um, pain free. That's obviously the number one step. And then other than that, when that all happens and then that's all said and done, then you've got about two more weeks left of spring training. And then of course, a couple of weeks after the WBC and you should be good to go for March 30th, uh, in St. Louis. All right. And other injury news, Ricky Tiedemann, 
has been hit by the injury bug this spring. He was shut down for a few days with left shoulder soreness. We're expecting him to throw a side session tomorrow, um, at least according to John Schneider. Who knows whether that timeline has changed. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like this is a big deal. If it's really just a couple of days, it doesn't matter. But we did see him reassigned to minor league camp, so that's kind of the end of the campaign for him this spring. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really worried, but it's like we've seen injuries snowball in the past when we talk about Nate Pearson as the kind of number one culprit for that. And so hearing anything negative about a player's health does get you a little bit worried. But the fact that it really is like a couple day turnaround, that he's just taking a couple days off and then throwing a side session on Wednesday, I think that's encouraging. And bottom line, like we didn't expect him to, to see him early in the season anyways. Like we all put our over-unders on when he's going to make his Major League debut as July and August. So, I don't know. I, I have a hard time getting excited about this or getting concerned about it because it does really seem just like something that happens to players. But, you know, if this is all we get this spring, if it's Vladdy and Ricky are the only two injuries we get this spring, we are incredibly lucky to walk out into the regular season with healthy players and a healthy staff for the Blue Jays. And so I just hope this is it. And so far, knock on wood, it's been a great start to spring health-wise. So hopefully this continues. I'm not too concerned about this. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. And of course, you've been talking about it. It seems like, knock on wood once again, as we only are about just over halfway through this, is that it seems relatively it's gone well for this team and another guy that had to sit out a couple games right at the start that people didn't even realize was Whit Merrifield he had a I think it was hamstrings tightness he was dealing with he's already well back into games and that's behind him and that's the important part is you're getting to this early and you're realizing that it's not worth it to you know of course nowhere close to sending you out every day or whenever you're supposed to play if you're feeling any sort of pain in Grapefruit League games so that's the one thing that has been handled very well throughout this. And of course, you look at a team like the the Yankees and in a division rival standpoint, they've been uh, hit with the injury bug so many with so many different guys in terms of Carlos Rodon now. We know about Frankie Montas, Harrison Bader's got hit with an injury as well. Those are all regular season impacting injuries that have already happened to that team. So to see where we are, or where the Blue Jays are compared to them, in New York, you got to be, you got to feel really good about that. And hopefully for Ricky Tiedman, it is not the end of it this spring for him. Of course, if you are assigned to minor league camp, you could be brought up for the odd game or two. So, I mean, we we've been able to witness him a couple of times this spring, and his last outing came last Tuesday in Bradenton against the uh, the Pirates, and that's when he actually it felt like for the first time. Well, of course, for us that have seen it, but the first time in a while for Ricky Tiedemann, based off of his numbers the last couple of years in the minor leagues, where he was roughed up a little bit, and he looked a little uncomfortable in that outing when he came uh, back in, and he went two innings, but of course, that second inning when he did come back out, he looked a lot more comfortable, but I just think that the, the that was an important, I guess, game for him to, I guess, go through some adversity early on. I think he came out afterward that he felt a little rushed because, or rushed because there was pitch calm issues, but either way... He gave up a home run. He didn't look as effective. And then the next inning to come out and bounce back the way he did, I thought that's very important for his develop development as well. I mean, this is the first time he's seeing major league hitters, or for the most, or at least a couple of them. Uh, and there was a couple of major leaguers playing that that game last Tuesday against the Pirates. And you can deal with these sort of issues. So that's why, you know, based off what we heard with the shoulder, it sounds like once, like you mentioned off the top, there's going to be a session going on tomorrow. And if all goes well with that. Maybe at some point in the next couple of games, you can see a couple more outings from him before he's fully 
playing in a minor league spring training games. And then, of course, the $1 million question after that is going to be where is he going to start in terms of double A or if he's going to go right to Buffalo. That's still something that I, you know, hasn't been fully determined. I'm not sure if his shoulder soreness has impacted that or anything like that. And then the, the other part that comes with it afterward is going to be the watch that we have all season with them and pretty much going to be monitoring if we're going to see Ricky Tiedemann at all this year. It sounds like we are, and we just don't know when. I mean, everyone's got a different answer with that. It could be early in the summer. It could be later in the summer, and it's something that's up for discussion. But either way, I just think that getting his spring reps, even if it is the end of uh, Ricky Tiedemann this year in spring training for the Jays, the fact that he got a couple of outings already under his belt, and especially the way it happened last Tuesday where it started off a little shaky, I think that was very important for him to settle down afterward and really pretty much fight through, you know, that trouble because we know with these major league or with major league pitchers, it's obvious it's the obvious statement is that not not everything is going to go perfect for you. And it seems to be things have been going relatively perfect for Tatum in the last couple of years in the minor leagues. So the fact that he was able to get through that, I think that was huge for him. And hopefully we do see him in a couple more games this spring. Yeah. How you deal with adversity is an especially valuable trait on the major league level. And so watching someone as young as him and, you know, with as little professional experience as he has deal with that uh, situation against, you know, not a major league caliber lineup because it's spring, but against some guys who are going to be in the majors, it's a valuable experience no matter what. Um, okay. Some of the other standouts from spring, we got George Springer hitting two home runs in back-to-back days. We got, Bo Bichette, who hits two home runs in the same game. We have Brandon Belt making his spring debut, and we have Alejandro Kirk finally making his spring debut as well. We had uh, you know conversations about him with and the WBC uh, a couple of weeks ago, and of course Team Mexico and what he was dealing with with waiting for his daughter's birth. But as we all know, daughter is healthy. We got pictures from the Blue Jays of him and his daughter at spring training, which was adorable. So um, I don't know what are you taking away from the last couple of weeks. I think the I mean, Springer and Bo are the, the two biggest for me to see them hitting, um, and especially Springer because I think he's someone that we've seen run hot and run cold, and a lot of times those streaks are related to his health, and so to see him run hot right now, and hopefully he continues into the regular season, still got a couple weeks, but see him running hot right now, um, I think that was especially encouraging. I mean, you can say the same thing about Bo as well, those hot streaks and those cold streaks, but I don't know. I think... Uh, so the the results from Springer are a bit more encouraging for me to see. I don't know why. I I just don't think I trust the the spring training results for Bobichette, but for some reason I I feel a bit more confident about uh you know seeing George Springer do well. I think it might be the health factor there. One hundred percent. And I guess starting with Springer, it's it is that health factor. The fact that he is getting into the games pain free right now which is good I mean never say never but it's a good start for him and you were talking about it he finally got on the board uh last Thursday or yeah last Thursday when he got on the board uh for the Jays when he hit that home run and the thing that stuck out for me was that where he hit it because we talk about Rogers Center we talk about the dimension changes and we talk about how the the fences are coming in and he hit a, a solid hit and it was to right center field that was his first one of the spring um it was the split squad game against the Braves and that was like that was a crushed baseball and that's something that you love to see on that he's you know at the beginning of his outings this spring he was starting as a dh he's getting outfield reps now he's been getting reps in center field and over the last week now he's starting to get into games in right field and of course that's going to be 
his primary position this year where in the outfield that we've spoken about just feels like it's, I guess, time for that. And it's the right decision to try and minimize the risk of any sort of injury that he may have uh, in center field. Of course, we've talked about so m- that so many times. And then a second home run was, um, it was this past Saturday, another hard hit ball. Like these are home runs that he's hitting that are solid contact that we've seen so far. And then he hit one the next day against the Phillies, which was a few days ago. And he had two hits that day as well. And then you see Bo Bichette. And the thing with Bo Bichette that you pointed out and I gotta I gotta agree with you uh, right on the money in terms of as much as you don't want to look too much into it because it is spring training you have to the, the games that have been televised and the games that you can see it just it doesn't look like Bo Bichette's missed a step whatsoever from last September slash late August like he looks locked in once again and he, he looks like the exact same hitter from the the part of last season and that's for me when you think about that, that's relatively hard to do and get get in a rhythm like that right away in the spring. We talk about it. So many people are different in terms of their ramp up, in terms of how long it takes them to get going or whatever. But he just looks locked in again. He's making so much so much contact. He's striking out less, and um, he's hitting extra base hits as well. Like that Thursday game where Springer hit his first one of this uh, the spring, or it was a split squad game against the Rays. I mean, he went two for three with the double. The other thing too is he's stealing a lot of bases, something that we anticipated. But we're also seeing that. From from Bo Bichette, and we're seeing that from the team overall a lot more that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. But for Bo Bichette, I mean, he's another one. He's he's the front and center of this whole stealing the bases thing, and he seems to be comfortable doing it. There seems to be some experimenting going on too with, you know, maybe running in a spot where you wouldn't be running in the regular season. But either way, getting into that you know rhythm, getting a you know get getting used to the extended bases, not being or the bigger base is not being picked off as much as you would have in a previous uh, in a previous season. So the fact that he's getting that all underway um, or under his belt is also really good on that part. And he just looks uh, from what we saw last Monday or what came yesterday on March 13th against the Red Sox. Once again, goes two for four with two home runs, four RBIs. And the second home run was the one that he crushed. I mean, both of them were crushed, I guess I should say. But the second one, I mean, he took he took a hanging changeup all the way over to left center field. It was 453 feet, an exit velocity of almost 110 miles per hour. Like, if you're not going to talk about being locked in, I don't know what else is locked in on that one. So that's good news to see both of those. I think Springer, because of the fact that he's healthy, Bichette because of the fact that he looks exactly like the way he did at the end of last season. And then for Alejandro Kirk, you talked about it, finally makes his well-anticipated debut. He looked comfortable at the plate as well when he played yesterday. He walked a couple times, and he had a single pretty much picking off right where he left off, catching Alec Manoa. And honestly, it's been pretty similar with Brandon Belt because he's also been walking a lot when he's been playing. And he's he's the guy that's come out and said that he doesn't necessarily need a ton of at-bats to get ready. So it feels like since we've hit the second part of spring training, you're going to be seeing him now included in the rotation of games for the rest of the way as we didn't see him before that because he's been rehabbing from his knee and I think his first game was March or last Saturday when March 11th and then of course he went he had a walk he hit a double as well he looks powerful uh, he looks uh, uh, comfortable running the bases that's another guy dealing with a, um, a knee issue from the previous years which is why his value was pretty much minimized this past offseason why the Jays brought him in on a bargain signing and then the same thing happened yesterday when he walked a couple of times looks really good at the plate you don't want to take too much away from that of course when it comes to those two I think we just we haven't seen a lot so far with Kirk and Belt but it's definitely encouraging to see that they're you know, they just seem to look good in terms of their running, in terms of their hitting, in terms of their approaches. But for me, I agree with you on the fact that Springer and Bichette are definitely the main highlights from the regular core of players this spring. You're also encouraged by what you saw from uh, Kevin Biggio, right? 
Oh, 100%. You know, you know the way this has been going. I know on. Jacob's not here, but we can uh, make fun of him in his absence for his Kevin Biggio take. Of course. Biggio's been looking good. Yeah, I mean, you look, I think it was pretty much that last episode that we recorded last Saturday was, uh, I think that same day he came out, went two hits with an RBI against the Tigers. And then, of course, he's been getting reps in the outfield like we've been talking about. There's been talk about him, more outfield reps that we've talked about last week. He had a home run last Thursday as well against the uh, the Braves, the same uh, game that George Springer went deep. He looks comfortable as well at the plate. I mean, we talked about it. And then, of course, there's been lots of talk about him lowering, I think it was his leg kick on a swing. He looks more comfortable. And that's another guy who's pushing to be on this team. And the way it's been going, he deserves to be on that roster in St. Louis that day. All right. So let's um, talk a little bit more about the World Baseball Classic because we talked about the Vladdy side of things, but we've also seen Jose Brios with Team Puerto Rico pitching in the WBC and... Uh, Suffice to say, it didn't go well. Um, He pitched just over an inning, gave up six runs, five earned against uh, Venezuela. And of course, you know, like these are good hitters. That's what we've been saying with the WBC. You know, it's Anthony Santander. He gave up a three-run home run to, um, you know, Jose Altuve came around to score in that inning. So, they're good hitters, but this was kind of the test that we were looking for. Like, you can't really take anything away from spring training unless it's you, say, Kikuchi, and we overreact. With Jose Barrios, we didn't really know what we were getting from him, and I was waiting for the WBC to see what the real Jose Barrios was, who we were going to get this season. And um, if this is the Jose Barrios we're getting, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's rough. Like there's no other way to put it, to be putting up those numbers against hitters who are actually trying and like a major league caliber lineup. There's some concern that's sneaking back in about Jose Brias. And we've talked about him as one of the wild cards for this season. And he needs to do well if the Blue Jays hope to do well. And it's not looking good. I'll let you take it from here. But, uh, that start is not encouraging to say the least. Oh my god. You know, and we don't want to be the we don't want to be those guys, but it has been something that is basically set I guess Jays fans on fire from that night. Regardless if he did good or bad, there was going to be a ton of narratives taken away because if he looked came out and looked really good, we'd be all be back on the train and either way it just it couldn't have gone any worse for him. And now I'm at the point where I know we haven't done our predictions yet and I know that you know, when we talk about the starting rotation, I think most of us would have had Barrios three or four, regardless of him or Bassett. And I think for me, like, after watching that start, I, you you got to really consider, I think, putting him the four starter so he could pitch against Kansas City compared to pitching against the Cardinals that opening series. Of course, we're still a ways away from that. Those are just little things that are coming to my head when I see that. And, you know, we came we came into this year talking about all of the off-season adjustments, how he looked good. He had a couple of starts that looked pretty good. And even before uh, or after the last time we recorded, he had one more start for the Jays before he went off to um, to Miami uh, to join Puerto Rico. And that was, uh, it was last Sunday, March 5th, against the Phillies. And that first inning was also shaky. That's when Kyle Schwarber pretty much destroyed, I think it was a fastball over the heart of the plate and just destroyed it over the fence. And then I think, you know, Pete Walker kind of came on and kind of put water on it saying... He wouldn't be throwing that pitch in a regular season game. But, you know, it just he didn't look that good in the first inning. The second inning, he kind of came out, looked a little bit better. But he just didn't look completely effective. So 
I think all of us weren't in that position to take too much away from that before um, before he was sent off to Miami. And then Sunday night happens where it is very well known that Jose Burrios was starting. I tuned in personally only to watch Jose Burrios, probably along with everybody else who was watching that game. And I just, for me, and of course, Mark, you were in the building last year too for the home opener. For me, it just, it felt identical to to the home opener last year, only pitching about an inning. He did worse, of course, in the home opener last year, but it just felt, everything felt like anything he threw was just hard contact, you know, home run after home run. He just, he couldn't get out of it. And, you know, I don't want to jump to too many conclusions either. You look at how, or you just look at what happened in that start, what he threw, and you just try and get a kind of an understanding of what happened. And it was actually something that was definitely not happening before he went off to the WBC. He kind of reverted back to what he did last year, and he was very dependent on the fastball. I don't know if that's lack of chemistry with Christian Vasquez, who was catching him that night. I don't know if that's just something that was an approach from Puerto Rico or whatever it was. Who knows if Pete Walker would have that same approach if it was a great for league game. Again, we didn't see that this spring from him. It was something that we saw last year. So I don't want to come out and make so many excuses for him. But I also don't want to be that guy and take too much away from that start. So as you can see, we're in a pretty tough spot here when it comes to trying to get a, a sense of what happened uh, with Jose Barrios. I think at the end of the day, I got to stick. I got to stay optimistic with this. I, I can't take too much away from it. Of course, this was something that we felt like would have been good for him, a confidence booster, something where he is facing major league hitting. You know, Venezuela is no walk-off and or walkover, and they've been really good so far at the WBC. And it just it couldn't have gone any worse for him. So, you know, a part of me, a part of me felt really bad for what happened on Sunday. Um, you know, you, you got to imagine he's going to be itching to get back out there. I don't know how it lines up for them the rest of the way. You know, of course, there's pitching restrictions, so we'll see if he gets another outing. But uh, it just. I don't know if Puerto Rico could take that chance going forward, as we all know how the WBC works as you advance in the tournament. It's pretty much single game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I don't want to take too much out of it. But it's you can't, you can't avoid the fact that on Sunday it went the worst possible. It, it was just the worst outcome that you could have imagined. You're a braver man than me. I am panicking a little bit from these results. And to hear you compare it, I didn't actually watch the outing but to hear you compare it to uh the home openers just ptsd um i know that game ended up great but you know that first inning did not look good and to hear those comparisons for the guy that were hinging the hopes of the blue jays on this season yikes yikes and i've said this before it's not like if he doesn't show up the blue jays are screwed like i think him and yusei kikuchi could be the difference between an 85 win season and a 95 win season but when you're in the al east and you're up against the Yankees, that could be the difference between either making the playoffs and not making the playoffs or, you know, getting kicked out of the first round in the playoffs and making it deeper in the playoffs. So, like, I think the season kind of hinges on these two guys. Ah, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned, a little bit more concerned than you, it sounds like. But, yeah, you know, if you're thinking rationally, it is still technically spring training. He's still not stretched out. He's working with a catcher he doesn't know in an environment he's not comfortable in. Give it time. Wait until the regular season starts. Wait until Kansas City at the start of April. But I don't know. I don't know. I I get nervous watching that and hearing those numbers stresses me out. Uh, But yes, hopefully we can take a deep breath 
And hopefully these are not uh, results that are indicative of what he's going to do in the regular season. Uh, but I'm concerned regardless. Um, another thing I'm concerned about is how Canada's jerseys look. Um, oh, I know everyone's talking oh about my it. God. Canada's jerseys yeah. are atrocious. Great Britain's jerseys are atrocious. I think... I don't know whose is worse, to be honest. Great Britain or Canada. Like I feel like you have so much potential with both of them. And then I think... I think Great Britain probably takes the cake just for what was happening. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but there was a pitcher who the T on Great was falling off his jersey. And, like, that's just icing on the cake for how terrible those jerseys were. And so I think that takes the cake. But Canada, man, they need to step it up. And they've had great jerseys in the past. So I don't know what went wrong. The 2017 jerseys were good. They've had good jerseys for the Pan Am games and stuff like that. So I don't know where the hell those jerseys went and why they replaced it with this terrible, small Canada font and these weird, I don't even know what you would call them, but the stripes on the collar and the, the sleeves. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, man. I, it's atrocious. And when you're putting out jerseys like that, you deserve to get mercyed by the U.S. Yeah. Even looking like the Great Britain one, That's for me, that's worse because first of all, there, there is no design. It is strictly a color with the writing. But shout out to them for winning yesterday. That was pretty cool to see them win yesterday because, of course, they don't have a lot of expectations in this tournament. But, yeah, like I, I remember seeing the <laughs> I remember seeing the Canada one. I think it was Freddie Freeman yeah. was the first one I saw the guy wearing it. And, like, the writing's small. Like, I, I don't know if it's just a lower budget with the jerseys, but it, it looks awful. It really does look absolutely terrible. And the other thing I'll say is that Maybe it's just like a whole WBC thing altogether, but I think there was a picture I saw earlier. Um, I want to say it was somebody on Venezuela, and his buttons were like all the way just like they all fell off, and you just you see the jersey wide open. Um, I don't know if that's just clearly WBC this year with the jerseys is a little questionable, but of course a lot of teams still have or a lot of countries still have some pretty cool designs. I like the Puerto Rico one, the Dominican one's nice, of course. Can't go wrong with the USA one, but. You know, you're seeing all these one. countries. Mexico's Mexico one's cool. The yeah. Mexican hat, incredible. Yeah, the hat, exactly. And like, yeah, Canada rolls out with, like, it, it's just once again weird design. The the writing's too small. So, hopefully, that's something that's just a one and done, and you'll never see that again. But you know, I also just want to say too, like, the environment's been remarkable, and incredible uh, for the WBC. I mean, you look at first of all, you look at the Japan side, and first of all, Team Japan looks unstoppable right now so i know a lot of people have them winning it all um most likely they're going to be heading over to the, the states as they or yeah the states as they continue to advance and the other thing too is well first of all the atmosphere there is crazy too not just the team but just the crowd there and seeing the atmosphere and then the other thing i'm going to say is that i i can't remember a time in our lifetime where i've seen chase field or um, yeah. <laughs> marlin i don't know if marlin it's still called marlin's park but in miami park, those stadiums yeah, those stadiums sold out, and the, the atmosphere is also electric. Of course, that has a lot to do with the teams playing, but for me, it's just it's a weird sighting to see that. I don't know about you, but I just look at that, and you're never going to see that for the, a Diamondbacks game or a Marlins game, but it's just something that we definitely haven't seen much in our lifetime either. Yeah, I saw some pictures from the uh, Chase Field concourse just filled with yeah. fans. I think, it was for, I think it was a Team Mexico game, and it was just packed, and... And that's a very unusual sight, but yeah, on the jerseys, like part of me feels sorry for Britain because, like, when you think about it, like the National Sporting Organization for baseball has got to be like three employees tops, 
for Great Britain. <laughs> so like, part of me is like, yeah, give them a pass because they probably have like three people designing it. So I don't like, but Canada like has an actual team Canada national sporting organization. They've competed at this level in the past. I, I don't know. I don't know. Weird jerseys, weird decisions. Nike's probably rolling over in the graves with having to put their logo on that stuff. I don't know. If they made those jerseys, then <laughs> they need <laughs> rough, rough. I don't know who made them, but I know the, like the Nike yeah, sponsorship I think it, deals. I think it's Adidas, I'm Is pretty it? sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, not Nike. I know that. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I think, and it might be even different for each country. This yeah. is why they don't make the regular season jerseys. This is why Nike <laughs> gets the branding deal because... Yeah, it's rough. Um, yeah, the yeah. Canadian one's Under Armour. So, oh, okay. So we have to blame them then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm hoping to watch more of the WBC over the next couple of weeks. I haven't watched too much of it so far. Um, yeah, I guess the only other thing to mention today is the uh, twenty dollar tickets for the Jays. They got. Um, I guess it's kind of just like a. What are they calling it? Outfield territory ticket or something um it's basically just a ticket standing room only where you can just walk around the stadium and i love it i think it's brilliant i think with the you know the social spaces that they're going to be having now it's a great idea to get people out there then i mean even in previous years i would have loved this i've done this a lot for games where you know you just buy the cheapest ticket possible and then you just wander around find a spot at the flight deck or um you know grab an empty seat and so i think um having this available for all games and now I don't have to bother, you know, looking through StubHub for the cheapest ticket. It's just $20, no fee, which I found incredible. I bought a ticket for the home opener. It's $20 flat, no fees, no taxes, which is great. And you get yourself in the building. You can do what you want once you're there. So I'm really excited for that. I think it's great that the Jays are pursuing that. And, um, you know, I know a lot of teams have found creative ways of like monthly passes and stuff like that. And I'd be down for the Jays to try something like that as well. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy they're experimenting a little bit and kind of embracing the new social spaces that they have at the ballpark. Yeah, 100%. And I, I remember thinking like this was early in the off season. So I, you know, nothing recent, but I do remember thinking like if they're going to do all these renos and introduce all these ideas, they have to, there's got to be some sort of new ticket feature that's coming along with it. And clearly that's something that they've done. And yeah, like when you think about it, it's, it's genius. First of all, it's an extra source of revenue, number one. And then, of course, it's going to translate to all the new social spaces, like you said, in the 500 level and in the outfield. And those are going to be people that you don't have a seat. There's no worry. And you're just going to pretty much go from place to place. And that's just another way for people to experience the game. And it's, a diff, you know, regardless if you are a diehard or not, or if you're just there to enjoy the atmosphere, it's kind of something that, fit, you know, checks the boxes no matter what you're looking for uh, when you're going to watch a game. So it's definitely a good addition that they do have. And the fact that it is like just 20 bucks flat, no taxes or anything like that. I didn't even know about the taxes part. That's definitely another smart strategy that they have going. I believe it is going to be capped off at 500 people, but still that's still 500 extra people than you would, you know, you would have on a regular day from, I don't know, last year or the year before. And there's going to be more people, you know, occupying these spaces and joining the ballpark. And that's another way to, you know, just, I guess, attract people to stay at the ballpark and come back to the ballpark. People who are, you know, who are going to their first game or who have been, haven't been to the Rogers Center, they're going to see it. 
you know, be pretty entitled with it. And then, of course, maybe want to come back and then maybe want to, you know, start following the team. These are little things that happen to people who don't watch the team every day or don't follow the sport as closely as we do compared to, you know, along with a lot of other fans. So I think that's a great way to be innovative, to bring a new source of revenue to this and to bring more people to the ballpark, to experience the ballpark um, in different ways than you usually would, because this is something that we've never even seen before at Rogers Center. It was the standardized ticket items. And of course, regardless you have to choose a seat at some point or somewhere around the stadium regardless if it's in the 100s 200s 500s or whatever it is and now you have an extra way to get into the ballpark without worrying about a seat and you could roam around if you really want to you can stay at the same spot that's up to you that's the beauty of it it's your freedom to choose from it and i think it's a really smart idea and an extra source of revenue for them to to bring this in and of course you see the updated pictures of rogers center as we get closer to opening day it's really cool that the field's starting to come in now and it really looks like you know things are coming along it looks like a couple other seats just have to be put in some finalizing or some final touches i should say uh, in those social spaces in the outfield and of course the bullpens but either way it's looking really good for to be on track for opening day or for the home opener i should say and it should be a really fun year seeing this new rogers center seeing the dimensions and just seeing this new experience that we're all going to be you know new to uh when april 11th comes yeah, you and I will be in the building. I don't think Jacob's got his ticket yet, so that's TBD. But uh, we'll have our reviews on our first podcast of, uh, I guess, after that Detroit series. So we'll be here April 13th talking about our reviews in the new ballpark. It'll be fun. Um, okay, I think that's all for today. Thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. Um, as always, you can find our podcast wherever you get podcasts. And we're also on YouTube. And you can rate and review us everywhere you get our podcast, which is help spread the word about what we're doing um we do have a discord um you can find the link to join that in our social media pages so that's at section 138 pod on instagram twitter and tiktok and it's also going to be a link below this podcast wherever you're listening so i encourage you to do that and then also if you like this podcast and want to support us you can check us out on buy us a coffee um and that link is also in the same place um so hopefully We're back on schedule now. We had a little hiccup there, but we'll be back hopefully on Saturday. Um, And then hopefully we'll be here weekly and uh, ready for the regular season, which is coming up very, very fast. Um, Okay. A couple more weeks. We'll catch you next time. Almost there. Like the morning wave, like the...